This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to The Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I've got Terry Rich with me. Terry, how you doing? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. You were up there in God's country in Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa. I'm Absolutely. in Illinois. You're yeah. a Hawkeyes fan? Uh, I'm a Cyclone fan. Big 12. Okay. We root for go. the Hawkeyes when they aren't playing the Cyclones. I had some cousins that went up there. A fair amount of cousins on both sides of my family, actually. And uh, maybe one that uh, my, my cousin Darren, his kids just graduated from there not too long ago. So great spot. Great spot. So, um, well, you are a uh, you're the president of the North American Lottery Association and CEO of the Iowa Lottery. Um, prior to that, you're the CEO of the Black uh, I'm sorry Blank Park Zoo, and president and CEO of Rich Heritage Incorporated. You've got a uh, an unbelievable career. Excited to have you with me today. And uh, but like on every show, Terry, I always like to kind of start what the backstory is. Obviously, you uh, probably uh, had a nice upbringing, but uh, would be curious to hear a little bit more about what made you the man you are today. Well, I think many people uh, uh, talk about hiring farm kids. I was a farm kid, grew up, did 4-H, did all the things, and went to actually to a college to be a math major. Uh, I thought I'd be a teacher somewhere, either a college or a high school, like my brother-in-law was. And lo and behold, about halfway through, I realized that uh, I didn't want to be uh, doing math. Uh, I had to prove a, an equation. One was not equal to zero. It was boring. A guy said, hey, go over here. You can talk and make a living. I said, I'm in. I'm so in. Uh, I went to the TV and radio class at Iowa State and, and worked in journalism for a while. And this new business called cable television was just starting. And they came in and asked for someone who was politically motivated, which I was, and also who liked radio and TV, which I did. So uh, I volunteered to help them with an election for cable television. And I got hired right after that. So I started in the cable business before cable was cool, did producing different, uh, really local shows, not a lot of crazy things, but uh, worked for that cable company and helped to start CNNs and the MTVs. We were right in the middle of all wow. of that. You just couldn't touch anything that didn't turn to gold. And Learned a lot from that company and the leadership of, of uh, how to, didn't matter if you fail, just to figure out what you did wrong and do it again. You know, and it was really a fun success. But at age 40, uh, after my dad had taught me many years, uh, happiness happens on the way to success. And when you are 62, you're going to, uh, you're going to be happy because you're going to get your social security and everything's going to be cool. I realized at age 40, I had everything I wanted. And so uh, they, they had cashed out the company. I had the cash I wanted. I traveled all over the country and the world with this uh, cable business. And lo and behold, I started my own company, which was really fun. So for the next 10 years, 
I had my own company doing productions for HBO and ESPN and all sorts of things and realized I needed to get off the road when a governor called and said, Hey, would you like to run a zoo or close the zoo if we don't take it over as a nonprofit? So I ran a zoo for 10 years and then that went well and everything was going great. And they called and said, Hey, you have a budget of about 3.5 million. How would you like to have a budget of 350 million and run the uh, lottery? So I did that for 10 years and, and, uh, ultimately retired. And for the last three, I found the absolute ultimate retirement job, which is public speaking and doing things like this on podcasts where I can pick my days and my times get paid and walk away and have just a great time in life with my grandkids. That's awesome. So that's, that's my life. Well, good for you, man. That's uh, and that's a lot. That's a lot. And you, and you got into some, uh, some big rooms with some big people, I'm sure, which that doesn't just happen. So that comes from, uh, I think belief in yourself. I believe in confidence. Um, you know, what, what would you say about that? I think that, uh, the confidence I got came from my dad, you know, on the farm, if your tractor breaks down or something happens, you usually have to figure out how to fix it yourself. You can't just run it into the, uh, dealership like you yeah. do with a car in a big city. So, uh, I learned early on that, uh, you have to have confidence in what you do. You got to get along with other people. You have to help other people. And that really helped. You know, I, I've been asked if I go back to an age 21, what would I tell everybody to do? I said two things. Number one, raise your hand anytime you're asked to volunteer. I don't care what organization you're in. When somebody says, hey, someone needs to clean the restrooms and you look around and nobody wants to do it, I'll do it. You're mm -hmm. remembered by that. And the yeah. second is, I wish I had to learn just a little bit more how to relax because once you feel and see success, uh, it's kind of like, I suppose it's like alcoholism or drug abuse. Uh, once you have it, it's kind of tough to give it up, not wanting to try it again and do it again. Yeah. And how did you do that? So, I mean, you were bouncing to these job 10 year kind of careers. You had three or four of those. And, and so, but what did you do with a family? I know you had a family, right? Kids and they were very involved with sports and all that stuff. What, what did you do to stay in the moment and enjoy that journey? Um, I, th I think, I decided to control my own life. And every time I took a different job, I did it on my own time on, you know, what I wanted to do. I could have continued in cable television, and moved to another location, but basically we stayed here and I found jobs that I could travel all around the country and the world, uh, to, to do that and try to do that balance. But it, uh, it was nice to have my wife could stay home because we were doing okay. And I think that added the balance for the family, but uh, you know, I look back, I probably could as most people, I don't know if anybody didn't say, I wish I would have spent less time with my kids, but you yeah. know, you try to do yeah. it and balance that when you have it all said and done. So let's uh, spend some time. I'm, I'm curious on this, uh, the Iowa lottery fraud is the largest in the U S history. It was, uh, you know, crazy. Yeah. I went through life. I love ideas. I, I consulted a lot of companies on, on getting new ideas, breaking out of the mold, not doing, you know, that's the way we used to do it. And the lottery was the same way, you know, it's a state run institution. I was looking for new ways. It was easy to, to, I get, you know, to 50% increase in profits, you know, in those years, it was very easy, but about two years in, I became, instead of just the idea dude and the, and the let's sell some more tickets, dude, uh, I became, uh, an ethics and fraud person because someone bought a ticket and didn't claim it. And it just didn't seem right. Didn't feel right. <laughs> And you have a year to claim it. And ultimately 11 months in a lawyer called from Canada and said, Hey, I have the ticket. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of security on a lottery ticket. We, uh, we, we kind of checked the ticket and yeah, he probably had it or he had a duplicate of it at least. And he said, I'm just going to send you the ticket. You send me the money. And we said, yeah, right, buddy. 
Uh-huh. And so we asked him some questions and he created fraud on the phone to say that he bought the ticket. When we had a picture of who bought it, we have video who bought it. We have audio who bought it. And it wasn't this guy. And he called wow. back a couple of days. Well, I told a fifth. So we knew that was a felony in Iowa. So it launched a, almost a, a three-year investigation, three or four-year investigation on how this guy got the ticket from a guy in New York who got it from a person in Houston who got it from a client in Houston. And we couldn't figure out how that client tied to the lottery ticket until we released the video and figured out it was somebody, an internal job. It was by a vendor of ours from the multi-state lottery association that they're the ones that combine all the money together to draw uh, for big national lottery prizes. And he was the head of security. He was a security audit guy and the IT guy. He wrote the program. He combined the program. He did all that. And it took us all of those years and great investigative work by our Department of uh, Criminal Investigation and the Attorney General's office to catch him and prosecute him and uh, ultimately figure out that he bought the ticket and he had used his brother and a good friend to buy tickets in Wisconsin, Kansas, Colorado, Oklahoma, all over the U.S. to buy tickets and win lottery prizes. And so Ultimately, we got full confessions and got something most people don't get in in big cases like this, and that is closure, where he confessed to it, uh, and his brother and associate also did, and they all got time, and and, uh, Eddie just got out. He got up to 25 years, but got out after, we'll be getting out after five on this big lottery fraud case that made international news. Yeah. How big of a number was he getting? 16.5 million, but he'd already collected uh, two or three or $4 million. So he went after the big one with us and we were lucky enough to, to bust it and also not pay it. Yeah, that's great. So talk to us about this journey that you've been on with these different careers. Um, what have you, what have you learned most when you're sitting around with leaders and you're chatting about their career or your career? What, what, what are some of those things you've learned that you can help our listeners with? Um, I think in the lottery business, I learned that, you know, you can try just about anything. It's better to have tried and failed than to succeed at doing nothing. That was, that was a favorite expression I learned from my professor in college, which means that uh, everybody's got a million dollar idea, no doubt about it. And, yeah. and you think about it, uh, failure is kind of the first step to success. And I learned that from my grandchild when she was just mm. one year old. She, she crawled over to the couch in Eastern Iowa, we call it a Davenport. And she crawled up and stood there and she took her first step. Well, what happens when a child takes a first step? Boom, she failed. Yeah. But what'd she do? She didn't quit. She didn't say, well, that didn't work. I guess I got to move on. She pulled herself over and pulled herself up and took two steps and boom, failed again. Three steps, boom, failed again. And you ultimately learn that, that you know, in, in life, you try something. If it doesn't work, you adjust it and, and to make it work. If you know it's a good idea, you find ways to make it work. And too many people get an idea, but they don't, they don't, uh, uh, they don't see it through. And I think and when I talk, when I wrote a book, Dare to Dream, Dare to Act, I learned in the lottery business, or excuse me, the cable television business that from a Ted Turner's that uh, you, you break it up into two things. You take a bushel basket. If you ever go out and you're drinking wine in, in Napa, County, you realize there, that Napa Valley that they uh, they don't just have a vineyard and they go out back and pick the grapes only from those. They go all over the all over the valley and look for the best. And they get this bushel basket. And they get all these different wines with different tastes and different looks and different environments to to develop the best wine they can. And that's the idea that that I really have formulated that you take a bushel basket 
and you tell everybody, I just want to fill this with ideas. I need as diverse of ideas as possible. In today's society, we have such a diverse nation that you want, uh, if you're doing a brainstorming session, you want different ethnic and ages and, and genders all around the table because you don't want everybody to look just like you when you're developing this bushel basket. And the big key is no judgment, which means that when you're getting all these ideas, you want to tell everybody, every idea is a good idea and let's build upon each idea. So all we're trying to do is fill the bushel basket. So you take 15, 20 minutes, you get a hundred ideas, you put it in there, let everybody look them over, you write them all down. And then you come back and you do the second step, which is daring to act. And this is where most people fail because everybody's got that million dollar idea, but until you act, upon it, you're not going to make any money. You can be creative, but until you're innovative, uh, you're not going to make any money. And that that's kind of what I learned from the lottery business, or excuse me, the, uh, the early days of cable television. Then when it cashed out, I learned that the more successful you are, sometimes the less risk you want to take. And so I started thinking, I, I still love this. I want to try something that no one else has done, being crazy to, to do something like we developed this thing called the National Free Preview. No one had ever uplinked a television signal from Iowa at the time I was in cable television business. And I was doing HBO free previews where I would go to town to town and unplug the C-SPAN feed, put in an HBO feed for a weekend, let people see free movies. And then in between said, hey, you like that? Huh. Now's the time to call. And, and I did this promotion with, uh, with my local hometown and got to be on Johnny Carson's Tonight Show. And they had talked about uplinking the show from Cooper, Iowa. And that, that's a fun deal to say you'd been on a Tonight Show. When you're Absolutely. But that, but that wasn't the, the success of the story because they talked about that idea. Remember the bushel basket and different ideas? They said you could uplink from Iowa. I thought, well, why couldn't I do that for the HBO free previews? Then I wouldn't have to travel town to town. I could just do one feed. Everybody could download it. That weekend, we sold $15 million in net worth of HBO in one weekend. And that really shot wow. my career up as, as we developed those ideas and put it all together to be able to actually act on them is so important. But when I had my own business, which was the next step, when I had success, I decided I'm going to take 10%. And that's kind of like gambling. If you're going to go to a, if you're playing the lottery, you're playing at a casino, you take X amount of dollars. And when you lose it, you don't reach back in your pocket. That's, that's an right. important lesson to learn. Well, I learned some people who are very successful as entrepreneurs, take all their money and try the next venture and lose it all. So I said, I'm going to just take 10% of what I've made and I'm going to invest it in the craziest thing. And if I lose it, I, you know, it was fun. I, I tried it, yeah. but quite often one of those ideas turned into that next, you know, big, big idea and moneymaker. So, uh, trying to, to not to still be able to take risks without losing it at all was important going to the, going to the zoo that was a give back to the community. You know, I just wanted to get off the road. I wanted to be with a family. Most kids were in middle school, high school. So we had some great times during that time while I was running the zoo and uh, being able to turn something around for the community was really fun. One that will be there forever. It was losing money. In fact, we turned it around cash flowed immediately and then got $15 million in endowment. So during a pandemic, it was there forever. The That's lottery great. was an interesting government deal of people who, wanted to protect their jobs rather than do the right thing sometimes. And that was kind of a fun lesson to learn as a finale uh, to the career to do that. So those are kind of the each ones in an evolution of my life. And now ultimately being able to tell the stories and maybe help one or two other people. And you think about innovation and I know it's a passion of yours, but you think about what you were doing with HBO and traveling around and plugging it in for the weekend. And now you look at like a Netflix or Amazon, you know, video and Apple and, 
I mean, man, what a change this, this whole industry has made. And one of the ideas that I had back in uh, that I talked to the Turner organization on, and they were just developing TNT. So they said, but ultimately turned out was something called hot. I wanted to do a channel with all these uh, news reporters that are all via satellite and, and doing a train wreck here and a car wreck there and a tornado there, yeah. flood, whatever is to have one channel that you just go up and look at what's available just punch live stuff. It wouldn't be any commentators. You'd just be seeing live feeds. Now you might see arms and toes falling off in a train yeah. wreck or whatever, but it would be a live feed from everything. And you're starting to see that a little bit more that Fox and, and CNN have been doing. Yeah. That's incredible. The, uh, so when you, when you say daring to dream, talk to me about that. Well, I think that again, everybody says, well, geez, I I've got this idea of everybody, you know, I, well, you have to be able to, have an idea and to be confident in an idea to take the next step. And, and most people are afraid to, to, um, think out, well, they call it outside the box in the old days, but basically just looking for ways, what's going to be the next hot idea. And I've got $2 million ideas I could give you today. I'd be happy to give you here as we get into this, that, uh, uh, I still would like to do, I know they're big money. I just haven't figured out how to execute those yet. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about it. Are you going to share those ideas or those secrets? Okay. Here's one. Here's the easy one. We, we started uh, Mega Millions started uh, and was sold uh, be- across the U.S. They asked, hey, do you have any ideas for promoting Mega Millions and the jackpot? People knew about Powerball, but sure. in some states, they didn't know about Mega Millions. So I started thinking as I'm driving home, I looked up and there's the moon and you saw the, the thumbnail or the little, you know, it looks like a thumbnail or a, a, you know, a little piece of the moon. And I'm thinking, oh my God. Look at the dark side of the moon. If I could find a way to get a laser or a spotlight with a jackpot amount, and I could project it on the dark portion of the moon when the moon isn't at full staff, I could own the moon as a billboard. <laughs> and I called all over to try to figure out how to, and, and I ultimately figured out that with the atmosphere that it would break up. If you try to shoot it from the earth, we almost have to get a satellite up there with a big bright light that people could see at night, but you know, there are some nights where it's almost completely dark with a full eclipse that you could have, you could own the moon as a billboard. I suppose there'd be little green men running around when we put the light on them. I don't know. Yeah. The other one's a pretty simple one. And I think this one is going to work somewhere. I had a small town on the interstate on exit 88 in Iowa. They want, they said, could you help us? You, you got on the Carson show with your little hometown of 50 and we're a quarter of a mile from the interstate, 60,000 cars go by. Well, what could we do to get people to pull over? So we started brainstorming, doing the idea of getting as many different ideas, as many different looks and feels in a, in a bushel basket of ideas, uh, like we do with grapes to get the best wine to, uh, think about what could we do? And we said, well, you know, there are gas stations at every exit. There are restaurants at every exit. What's the one thing you really need when you're driving across with a family that you really can't find? bathrooms, clean bathrooms, really mm-hmm. nice bathrooms. So yep. I said, let's build a Morton, just kind of a Morton is a brand name building, great big building, have maybe 50 different stalls and make it the cleanest, biggest bathrooms in the world as a draw. Um, you could, you could get uh, Gerber or uh, Kohler to give you all of their new line of bath. So this one is country style. This one's French style on the bidet over here and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, decorate them up. Uh, you sell t-shirts. I got pooped out in this town, or I got PO'd in this town. Uh, you have a King come sit on the throne. Uh, but think of the people you could draw in because people want clean bathrooms. You have an outhouse, of course, for pictures and a place for the dogs and cats to go. 
Uh, but the best part was this was on exit 88. So you could do Burma shave signs all over the USA urinate at exit 88. I'm telling you, you wouldn't have to spend a <laughs> dime on marketing at all. And, uh, You'd have a you'd have a place that everybody would talk about and the kids would giggle about for years to come. There you go. Well, you gotta make take action on those, right? You gotta you gotta dare to act, as you say. Daring to dream is now daring to act. So you gotta get the right team of people and make Taking those things it to happen, the next so. step. Yeah, and find a yeah. people who's interested. Yeah, it made me think when you're talking about the moon thing, is I, I read a book called Four, F-O-U-R, Four, and it was about like Amazon and Apple and Google and these in these companies and the big four. And um you know, you think of Jeff Bezos, he, th- he literally it kind of blew my mind a little bit. He talked about a warehouse in the sky. Like you think about like, I'm sitting in this building right now, like who owns the actual sky above me, right? For mm-hmm. how many thousands of feet, like who owns that? But like, what if all of a sudden Jeff Bezos puts a warehouse in the sky powered by solar. Now the drones are bringing it, you know, your widget to you and Iowa, bring it to me here in Illinois but they start to see, oh, you're, you're selling a few more widgets over in Iowa. So we're just going to move the warehouse in the sky. And are you paying taxes? You put the wiring, you know, you don't have that because it's all powered by the soul. I mean, all this stuff, right? And you start to think about these, these ideas. And my point to this is, as listeners of this show, myself, for you, it is about dreaming, right? It's about having that journal. It's about setting down and dreaming about what's possible and the things that you want to do in your life, for your family, uh, for your business. And, and for me, those things are critically, critically important for our success long-term. And you'll find people, you know, I, I, uh, in the early days of cable brought Ted Turner in, he, he was obviously a vendor and, uh, came in to speak. And as he was in the car, we were headed for the speech and he looked down I said, what's the matter, Ted? He said, well, I just heard I'm worth a half a billion dollars now, but he said, I'm still seeing two psychiatrists. Hmm. I'm thinking, wow, you know, this guy has everything that you really would want in life. And yeah. all of a sudden he's worried, you know, uh, he, he's, he, he is still isn't happy. And that's back to that. If you're not happy today, you're not going to be happy tomorrow. Yeah. You want to find ways that, that make you happy today. Um, there, there's, uh, folks that are on, on shark tank. Uh, I, I spoke with them or was on a conference like this with them. And, uh, he had a really interesting idea. He has a piece of paper every night when he goes to bed and he writes down eight things. Not eight things that he's doing tomorrow because everybody wants to tell him what the next new big idea was. Sure. Um, but it's eight things he's going to do for himself that makes him happy. You know, I'm going to get up and I'm going to have that cinnamon roll I've wanted for breakfast for so long or whatever. And I thought, wow, you know, that's a pretty cool idea. And so I like passing that along as, as we do. The other one on a positive, on a positive thought that I think if you got a business that people often do, you ever have a meeting where you hear people grumbling as they're coming, yeah, I have to go to this meeting day or I have to get this right. project done or I'm not, you know, until I'm happy, that's what I'm going to do. And, and a company called uh, Life is Good. They've got the stick man. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Absolutely. They, uh, they changed they told everybody when they came in, we don't hear, I have to on anything. It's I get to, you've got a job here. You are having fun yeah, doing it. To. You get your, you're knowledgeable enough. We're going to call you into this crazy meeting. And so, uh, you get to do it. And he so said, with that change came a whole new positive attitude of people doing things because they were proud that they got to do things that in the past seemed like a burden. Yeah. What, what do you think you've done over the years to keep uh, good energy? I mean, I have no idea how old you are and nor does it matter. But the point is, is you've had a great career and a great run, but here you are today 
and I don't know your situation, but probably could, could shut her down. Right. And, and not have to work and do all those things, but yet you're choosing to do that. So what have you done to keep the energy, keep your health, all those kind of things? Um, I, I think just like careers uh, where I've decided, you know, it's time I want to move on and try something new. I try to look for new, fresh things. I try to learn something new. Uh, yes. not so I'm not, I'm not a reader. I don't read a lot. I just, I like to look at things and, you know, if I'm going to the store, if it took me one point eight minutes. I like to next time maybe make it in 1.7 minutes. So I look for ways to do something better than what it was before. And the, the, a simple example, not so much making money, but also saving money uh, that I learned. I tell a story. I went to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho to do a speech. And uh, I went in the bathroom and on the back of the stool was this box. And it was a box with kind of a hole in the middle. It's about that big. And that and, and top said waste reducing exfoliating uh, something. I thought, well, what the heck is this? And I looked at it a little more. And I thought, Those darn accountants, somebody got innovative as in the accounting department because they realized that when you go to a hotel, you get this bar of soap, you only use about that much on the outside, right? Yeah. On the outside. So they took the inside out because you don't use it anyway. You're only there a day or two and they put it on the sink and now they've only, they reduced their expenses by 50%. I thought, wow, that's <laughs> innovative. It is innovative. I like that. And, and have you been a guy that worked out, uh, you know, watch what you eat type stuff? I mean, what does that look like for you? In Probably your the opposite. When you grew up on a farm, all you did was eat beef. That's right. All, all of the things with it. But I, I've always been somewhat skinny. But I, as I got older, I've, I found biking to be my passion. Okay. Uh, so I try to get a couple thousand miles in a year. And yeah. uh, So you're you staying know, active with that. I mean, that, that, a couple yep. thousand miles, you just say it nonchalantly, but that, I mean, that's a big number. And, and doing, uh, I, I, you know, I do Sudoku, some, you know, things like that, just to keep my mind active, but I'm yeah. trying not to just sit and watch. I'm trying to yeah. just be active. not as, not as much as heavy duty exercise, but I do exercise four or five times a week. Yep. Yeah. I think just, uh, getting up and moving, that's half the battle, isn't it? And keeping it your brain no, going, keeping no that brain going. So where would our listeners find more of uh, Terry Rich? Where's uh, you got a website? Um, the easiest way is terryspeaks.com, T-E-R-Y speaks.com. Okay. That shows the two different uh, innovations. But the two books that I have are both on Amazon. One's called Dare to Dream, Dare to Act. That's the how to create new ideas and uh, be part of it with something we call COT, which is kind of fun to, to talk about. And also uh, the $80 billion gamble, which is the true detailed inside story of how a lottery ticket, two hot dogs and Bigfoot, Help solve the largest lottery fraud in U.S. history. That's amazing. Two hot dogs and a, and a Bigfoot, huh? That's all it took. I like it. Well, Terry, thanks so much for being on the Circuit of Success. I've really enjoyed having you on and, and appreciate you sharing your wisdom with our listeners. It's a pleasure. Keep up the good work. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 